Hi, and welcome to another episode of Pull Yourself Together. I'm Melissa. And I'm Jessica. And we're back with some more book recommendations. We are. It's been a while. It has been a while, but things have been happening. We've been busy. It's been winter buying season, which means Jessica and I have been going through a lot of catalogs. We have. It's very exciting, but uh, I'm not used to being chained to my desk quite like that. And, yeah. Um, yes. But we're excited because we've got some of our reps lined up to come on in the following months, and yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. They're going to um, be talking about a lot of good books that are going to be coming out um, starting in like January, like so the mm-hmm. winter season is like after Christmas for the most part. Some of them are a little before, but it's Most usually of them. like yeah, winter to spring kind of. It is. It's um, uh, so half of the publishers call it their winter list, and half and the, call uh, it spring. <laughs> yes, and half call it spring, and so it's a little confusing as to where we are in the season. But yes. um, the interesting thing about being a buyer for any kind of um, seasonal company is that you're always living at least six to eight months ahead of everyone else in the world it feels like yeah so (laughs) it's hard to know sometimes when somebody asks for a book and asks if it's in paperback they're like I think it is oh no wait I saw that it's coming out in paperback in like Mm -hmm. eight months from now no it's only in hardcover yes (laughs) so anyway we're hard at work trying to make sure that our shelves are stocked with all the books that you will want to read exactly um so, Jessica, yes, what have you been reading? Well, I've been reading and listening to a lot of things. Um, I love Jeff Tweedy, as you all you, know. You don't say. I do love <laughs> Jeff Tweedy. I'm a come late to the Jeff Tweedy fan club. Um, but I so loved his Let's Go So We Can Get Back Again memoir that he wrote that I picked up his How to Write One Song book. Um, and even though I really... I'm not the person who's going to write a song. (laughs) Um, Not only does it have how to write one song, but it also really talks about the creative process Mm -hmm. and how do you bring creativity into your life and, you know, what the art form is about. Um, And so I really, um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoy listening to him because he's just funny um, he he wanders off <laughs> on tangents. He is a fairly philosophical guy and is looking at life from, you know, 40-ish, which is middle age. Um, and so, yeah, I enjoy his musings. And I think for anyone who's involved in the creative process, but especially anyone who's interested in writing one song, this is a great little book. It's, uh, it's small. Mm-hmm. It is... I'm... Looking, how many pages? How many pages? It's 158 pages. And it, it really is broken up sort of into chunks, so you don't have to um, read it all at once. And it has, it's broken up into parts, and it has actual exercises in it too, which is fun. So it has techniques, and then it also has how to steal from literature. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to have a conversation and it's just um a lot of it is also about how not to be afraid of trying okay so so it has how to steal from literature does it have how to steal from other songs because i swear that every friend of mine (laughs) that i have who is a musician you can always tell exactly what they've been listening to a lot based on the songs they've written because i mean like you know have you been listening to a lot of Stone Temple Pilots? This sounds familiar. <laughs> so I think that it is the same as authors who read a lot. Mm-hmm. Inevitably, something gets in your head subliminally that you don't realize. Mm-hmm. And you are always, I mean, it's like steal like an artist. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's really nothing new under the sun. And the creative process is interesting, and we have all kinds of muses that we don't even realize. And so, yes, no. <laughs> I was listening to NPR, and there was a podcast talking about. Um, it wasn't a podcast; it was just an interview, and they were talking to a scientist and a social scientist and academic about sort of when is when are we going to? Is there going to be normal? 
Yeah. Are we ever going to have normal again? And they were like, um, 2022 probably will be when we move around like we used to, kind of, but people will still be scared. And 2024 will be when we have sort of a back to normal um, revolution. Interesting. Not revolution. Like, that's not the word I'm looking for. The word I'm looking for is more of a, like a boom, um, uh, a good time because okay, because things are more back to normal, and it's a combination of potential vaccine, but also people growing up with this um, illness that you know children will get it, they'll build immunity. Mm-hmm. It will be like chickenpox if you get it as an adult. It can be fatal. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then treatments will get better for it and we'll just kind of bump along was mm-hmm. what he was saying. And then, and then, you know, we'll, I don't know. So yeah. I, I mean, I, I look forward to the being back to normal, but I have to say that there are some things from this time that I have enjoyed and that I hope continues. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I've enjoyed the availability of a lot of virtual events um, I Absolutely. Think, I think that there's something to be said for the increased accessibility mm-hmm. of those things. No, I've enjoyed that. And I really do appreciate, um, like, I, I know a lot of people are doing this, but because I spend more time in my home, um, I'm taking the time to kind of think about how I want my home to be and how I want my space to be. And because I spend a lot more time with my husband... <laughs> I really appreciate our relationship more. I mean, I feel really fortunate that we, you know, can hang out and and have a good time with just the two of us. Mm -hmm. And so that part of it has been nice. I mean, there's something to be said for kind of rediscovering the, like, why you enjoy spending time with the person you're Mm -hmm. with, like with your partner and, you know, getting to spend that time together, like right now is, is nice. I mean... It is frustrating too the you know, yes. not being able to go out to a restaurant, but it's you know. No, there are definitely things, um, and the friendships that I have and have cultivated during this, um, I really appreciate because they seem to be deeper friendships. Um, because we're so careful when we do get together, and we, you know, I, I really enjoy those moments of semi normalcy, mm-hmm. um, and I also I zoom with my kids every Sunday. And um, I think we all really look forward to this time, whereas when we were each speaking individually and at random times, it just wasn't the same as, like, coming together as a family, although I miss physically being able to see them. um, I think that the, you know, hour and a half we spend together once a week, all of us, is, you know, it just means a lot. Well, and I've found that I... Tim and I have had kind of Zoom dinner dates with friends Mm -hmm. that... You know, we wouldn't just pick up the phone and call them, but that we're really good friends with. We just don't have an opportunity to see each other because we live so far away from each other. So it just has kind of rekindled relationships mm-hmm. that it, you know, without this, it probably wouldn't have happened. So it's I true. Know, I are, mean, there are things, there are things that I miss. Um, I miss live music. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss restaurants, but I certainly appreciate restaurants more now. Mm-hmm. Like. Um, and I, but I really, like, I, you know, I bake bread today. I bake bread once or twice a week. And um, I wouldn't have done that before if I hadn't had this little pause to learn how to do it. I still, I, I swear, it's not, it's not an exact science. No, no, it's not. Well, hum- there's so many things that play into it, like humidity. Um, so today you know. was really humid, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, that made a huge difference in the way my bread came out. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's not bad. It's just different than the, the last time. The ambient room temperature at any given time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- yeah. So anyway, we digress. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Our philosophical musings. That, but well, that's so, not what you're here for. Well, it was inspired by <laughs> Jeff Tweedy. So if you are looking for something that's fun and inspiring and has philosophical musings <laughs> and you've ever wanted to write a song or write really kind of anything, but especially a song. I would highly recommend picking up How to Write One Song or listening to it on Libro FM because he um, he reads it himself. Very nice. So, yes. 
Okay, so um, we have a graphic novel book club at the store, which I'm not sure if everybody knows that. Um, it's one of our oldest book clubs, mm-hmm. um, and it's been going for over four years now. And um, They have their own Facebook page. Yeah, we have our own Facebook group. <laughs> we're, we're kind of a big deal. But um, <laughs> it's a really good core group of people um, that come to every meeting. And we get a, a few pop-ins, and, you know, that's nice. But we, we have a really good group that discusses um, books consistently. But when we pick books for the graphic novel book club, um, we all come with an idea and we throw it in the hat Mm -hmm. and then we just kind of pick them out for um, the uh, order that we're going to do them in. So this month's pick was V for Vendetta by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. And when I saw that this was the pick, I was like, (laughs) because I'm not a fan of Watchmen. Um, I just... I'm just not. I think Alan Moore could benefit from an editor sometimes. <laughs> um, Although I really want to watch the... The TV show yes. is supposed to be really, really good. Um, I haven't watched it yet just because I kind of have an aversion to together. it. Yes, we should watch that together. Yes. Um, but I had seen the movie for V for Vendetta, um, and I had seen it several years ago. Um, It's not something that I watch uh, regularly, although I know my husband has watched it a ton. He's a big (laughs) fan of it. Um, So I went into it with a little trepidation. I was pretty sure I wasn't going to like it. The art, I mean, it was written originally, um, I guess they started it in 1981 and Mm -hmm. finished eventually in like 88, I believe, or 86 maybe. But... um, the art is very, very 80s, <laughs> which is not my favorite comic style. But V from Vendetta, if you don't know what it is, um, it is set in kind of an alternate reality in Great Britain. Um, they, In the movie, they play it off and say a war has happened in the United States and it's kind of spilled out and it has mm-hmm. affected the rest of the world. But regardless, a nuclear war has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, they're at the other side of it. And I love in the forward to it, Alan Moore is like, okay, just understand that we had no idea how nuclear war and nuclear fallout <laughs> works. We know it doesn't work like this. Just excuse that. <laughs> um, so they're on the other side of nuclear winter, and, and they've got this new society who um, the government is a fascist dictatorship. Um, Yes. And there's quarantine zones because there's a plague. Mm -hmm. Um, So (laughs) a little timely, um, Mm -hmm. there were um, relocation, basically concentration camps where they put all the minorities in it, um, homosexuals. uh, This is a very controlled society. Um, and we meet Evie, who is a young girl. She's 16 at the beginning of it, and she is out on the streets. Um, she's propositioning a man because she needs to make money, mm-hmm. and it turns out he's one of the secret police, and he and his buddies are are basically going to kill her, and she is saved by V. V is this... Guy Fox mask wearing anti-hero who turns out to be, according to the government, a terrorist. Um, but he is really kind of trying to fight against the fascism of the government is basically the the crux of the story. So a freedom fighter? Yes, very much so. Um, kind of a uh, embracer of anarchy, mm-hmm. um, but anarchy with a reason behind it. Um, and you come to get V's backstory and understand mm-hmm. why he is so anti this government, um, which I'm not going to ruin for people if you haven't read the book or seen the movie. Um, but I will say, because we watched the movie again right mm-hmm. after reading the book, um, I think the movie does a little bit better job of tying up the ending of it. Interesting. Um, the the comic is broken into three parts, and the mm-hmm. third part of the comic gets a little muddled towards the end. Mm-hmm. But there are parts of the movie that are basically shot for shot, panel for panel from the comic. So they did a really great job of transferring it to film. So do you think that 
because graphic novels are essentially kind of like storyboards for mm-hmm. films that that's why so many graphic novels translate so well to the screen. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. I think that, um, um, and, and I know that's not an original or deep thought. No, no, but, no, 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 I definitely think that's true. Um, and I think that lots of times with movie adaptations of graphic novels, they are able to expand the story in some ways or edit the story in a way mm-hmm that just makes it a little, a little bit cleaner. So mm-hmm. I think that lots of times movie adaptations of graphic novels are tend to be pretty good. Yeah, it, yes. I mean, that's what I've found. And, yeah. and as one who... I read graphic novels occasionally. It's not something I jump to. Um, it's kind of like mysteries for me. When I read one, I'm like, oh, gosh, I really enjoyed that. I right. should read more of these. Yeah. And then I just go back into my comfortable path of reading what I normally read. Yeah. And so, um, yes, I will say that our reading with the reps and now our storebook group mm-hmm. has got me reading a little wider than I normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Actually, I read pretty widely. Yeah, you're, you're a pretty <laughs> eccentric reader. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am. I, I mean that. With, yeah. I'm an eccentric reader yeah. for sure. I jump into all kinds of things. Um, so speaking of which, yes. Um, I got very excited when I saw this little slim version called Serpentine, Serpentine, Serpentine. Uh, Either way, you, you say, say I say tomato. <laughs> yes, <laughs> by Philip Pullman. Um, I thought maybe, maybe he's he's given us a little bit to help the ending of the Commonwealth. And it did have Pan, Pan, and Lyra in it. And it was a story about after they came back, when they were a little bit older, but it was just a little short story about <laughs> their um, traveling up to the north to do some archaeological work. Mm-hmm. And um, although I won't give it away because it's so short. Yeah, it's that you very, really have very to, short. It's, it really is just a short story <laughs> that he published. Um, it's beautifully done if you love Lyra Silvertongue and you love Pantalimon and you want just a little short story about them to hold you over until someday <laughs> Mr. Pullman, Dr. Pullman, Philip Pullman. I'm not sure if he's doctor. Is he doctor? I don't know. <laughs> I just says Philip Pullman. So until Philip Pullman finishes his... Um, Dark Materials completely. Well, the second one. So the Book of Dust, the Commonwealth, and... Whatever is coming in the future. Which will come hopefully very soon. Um, But it was satisfying, and I did enjoy seeing um, Lyra and and Pan's relationship, um, which this book takes place pre-Commonwealth. So so post the Amber Spyglass, but pre... Commonwealth, okay. for those of you who are as nerdy as I am about <laughs> this whole world and really want it to tie up. Well, so I know you've told me repeatedly that I need to read these books, and I will say mm-hmm. that I did try to read The Golden Compass uh, right when the movie was coming out, and I didn't get through it, and I don't know that it was the book's fault. It may have just been my fault, mm-hmm. and I wasn't in a space to to read it at that point. And I saw the movie, and the movie was just not great. Which so, I think a lot of people that like the books don't it's think it's true. a great book or great movie. It's so the the imagery of the movie is great. Mm-hmm. Like the characters look very much as they're described. They just somehow miss mm-hmm. with it. Um, but the, the I, I, I was going to say, mm-hmm. I saw on HBO Max like a trailer for the show on HBO and I was like, well, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> so the show is really good. The only problem I have with the show is that the characters don't fit their description in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so as much... At, but I think the show is better than the I was going to say, so do you prefer the visual being closer or the if actual... I could have, if I could have all of that, yeah. <laughs> which I, I don't think is asking a lot well, when people are making a movie, but maybe it is. If I could have all of that, it would be great. But I think it will work better as a miniseries since they're three books and they're fairly detailed than it works as three separate movies. Uh, all right. So um, I f- um, finished reading... 
the newest book by Sigrid Nunez recently. Yeah, and uh, I've started that one, but I haven't finished it. Yeah, um, so it's called What Are You Going Through? And um, Sigrid Nunez won the National Book Award a few years ago for her book, um, The Friend. And this has a lot of similar themes to it. Um, there, mm-hmm. It's an exploration of kind of um, death and the fact that we're all going to die and just kind of coming to... T- it, and it doesn't... This, yes. like, I'm not doing a great job describing it. And it, it really is... It is really not as hopeless as that sounds. Um, so the uh, narrator, because it's told through like a first-person narrator, um, the narrator is has been contacted by a friend who... They were close for a little while in their life, but now they're kind of more distant friends and they occasionally see each other and it's, you know, they're, but they're not like everyday, like best friends that talk all the time. And it's sort of out of nowhere. She contacts her and her friend, um, has, um, has cancer and it's terminal. And so she contacts her because she has decided that she wants to end her life on her own terms Mm -hmm. and she wants someone to be with her, not at the actual act of ending her life, but just to spend time with her in a place that she deems peaceful and mm-hmm. just to get herself in a place um, to make herself ready to make this decision. And so um, the narrator agrees to this, even though they are not super close friends. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically about the time that they spend together and kind of the deepening of their relationship by spending this time together. And I will like a hundred percent say that I do not pick up books that deal with cancer. I have some baggage with that issue mm-hmm. and I, it's just not something I, I tend to read, but I thought this was really beautiful and her narration, her voice, the way she tells a story is I think brilliant. And, um, if you enjoyed the friend and you enjoy kind of her almost sort of rambling narrative, Mm -hmm. but, but not, well, it's within boundaries. So she doesn't go off on, she doesn't go like off tangents, but there's kind of a story within a story within Mm -hmm. a story sometimes. And it eventually comes back around and you just kind of have to wait for it to get there, but it's just, no, it's it's a really interesting voice, and I just think she's an amazing writer. So she definitely is an amazing writer, and I loved the friend. Yeah. Um, and I still, um, we still have discussions about the friend. There and, was some ambiguity in in the friend, and and so we have discussions about which narrative we prefer. It's and, true. Um, and I really was looking forward to this book, and I started it. I just think, just like the golden compass or what I just wasn't in the right headspace mm-hmm. to read it. Um, and so I look forward to going back and reading it because, um, yeah, her writing is beautiful and she can take a subject which is depressing in nature mm-hmm. and make it like, yes, this is sad, but it's also beautiful and there are things we learn from it. And I, I think that's very much like life. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why her, I appreciate her na- kind of rambling narratives is mm-hmm. because that's the way life works. There's a story within a story within a story and it all wanders around and then we come back to... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely sort of, you can tell it's kind of a meditation about end of life, but Mm -hmm. it's just, I just thought it was really great. So, yes. Very good. It's definitely different from everything else I'm going to talk about today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk about something completely different that I... um, just started listening to because I wanted something, I wanted to read something that just didn't even take place in this country. And so um, I have been doing a lot of projects around my house. And so I've been listening to a lot of books because I'm sanding things down or, you know, doing things with my hand or painting. And this way um, I'm not doing it in silence and I can't listen to any more talk radio. I just, I just can't do it. (laughs) So, um, so I started listening to Just Like You by Nick Hornby, who I like a lot. I love Nick Hornby. And, and this one doesn't disappoint. It's diverting. But I didn't realize it centers a lot around Brexit. Hmm. 
Hmm. Which is interesting. That is interesting. Um, so it's sort of a May-December romance. Um, the main character, Lucy, is a teacher. Um, she's been a teacher for a long time. She teaches at-risk students in a um, at high school, and she teaches literature, and she's divorced. Her husband, it turned out, had some significant addiction problems. She has two kids. Um, but they have an amiable relationship, even though there's a lot of baggage that goes on that it that their relationship has mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out how much i want to give away and how much i don't don't um, give away too much because it's I on know. my shelf waiting to be read well <laughs> and so but this is all within the first okay. part of the book and the thing about this his writing that i really appreciate is the main character lucy is kind of the character that if you're reading the book you probably identify with mm-hmm. she has friends around her um especially because i'm more in this age bracket. She has some friends who are unhappily married, who are looking to have a little romance in their life, even though... Um, they Lucy, have a significant other? Yes, even <laughs> though they have a significant other. Um, they are, um, yeah, 40-something and have fixed themselves up and are ready for an adventure and want to talk about sex all the time. And Lucy is not that person. She... <laughs> wants to listen to some music, to read her books, to have a good relationship with her boys, to teach school, and to have interesting conversations. She doesn't want to stand in line at the meat shop, at the butcher's, which is uh, part of the story, and um, talk about how hot Joseph, who works at the butcher's, is with her friend. She just finds this repulsive and embarrassing. Well, I have an idea of where this is going to go. Well, (laughs) anyway, she does end up having a relationship with a younger man. Mm -hmm. And... um, and it it really brings in not only their cultural differences, their class differences, their age difference, even though they have a good relationship and they're both good people, you know, you kind of just know that it's not going to work, work out, out because there's so many differences. And <laughs> they know it's not going to work out, both of them. But they're both really enjoying where they are. And... Um, and that makes it sound like it's perfect. It's not. There are, there are some issues. And I think it's an awakening for both of them to the larger issues in the world around them. And um, I, his writing is just fun and interesting. Um, he talks more about sex than I'm used to in a book. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but that's okay. Well, you, you've read his other books, right? I have read his other books. It's just been a while. Yeah. So, um, so I, I would highly recommend Just Like You. I probably have about four more chapters to go. Um, I imagine I'll finish it soon. And um, it's it's been thoroughly diverting, but not in any way. Um, there's a lot. It reminds me a little bit, Julian Barnes, the only story, the only story, the only, um, mm-hmm. hold on. Um, so there is a Julian Barnes book, the only story. Oh, I, 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 think I know the one you're talking about. I'm um, not sure if... That's the correct title. It might be. I think it has story in it, the title for sure. Um, the I think it is the only story. I'm looking just to make sure it is the only story. So Julian Barnes wrote a novel um, in 2018 called The Only Story, which I absolutely love. And I think I may have spoken about it on it, this show. Yeah, I think so. And um, this book is like a lighter, happier version of that book where the two characters, although they have a... May December relationship, both of them are functioning adults. Whereas in Julian Barnes, both the characters have a lot of baggage that yeah. plays into it. And so, um, but there is a similar-ish feel. Um, I guess it's the same old story. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, Did you ever read Nick Hornby's book, um, The Polysyllabic Spree, where it's basically him writing about a year of what he's been reading and it's almost like literary criticism but not really mm-hmm. it's uh it's really interesting like his take I've, on other things that he's been reading i thoroughly enjoyed it he has that one and then there's a second one um that's in the same vein but i don't remember what the title of that one is but i think i would like that so before um i ever started um Sorry, I'm, I'm looking at... Before I ever started this job, there was a literary critic that I really liked, James Wood, 
and we carry him from time to time. Mm-hmm. He's got books about writing, books about reading, books about teaching. He's got two novels, um, and but he's mainly a, a critic, and um, and I really have enjoyed a lot of his literary criticism. Mm-hmm. So I think I would. I think. Um, It's just a very, very slim mm -hmm. volume. I mean, it's just, but it's interesting. It's almost kind of like reading, um, I don't know if you ever read when Stephen King had the column that he had at the end of Entertainment Weekly, like the pop culture column. Like Mm -hmm. it was sort of like Stephen King's musings on pop culture is that sort of thing, but it was really, it was really good. Well, I will. I will have to look that up. We need to. We'll have to order a copy. In I don't yeah, think we have. I don't, I don't think story. we have it. Um, but but I really enjoy Nick Cornby's writing. So if you're looking for something that is diverting and not as heavy as the Julian Barnes, but still well written and a lot of fun, um, with some de- deeper issues at hand too, I w- I would look into the. Um, <laughs> the book that I was just talking about, Nick Hornby's Just Like You. Yes. And um, if you are a Nick Hornby fan if, and you read High Fidelity, mm-hmm. totally check out the Hulu series. It's so good. It is a departure because they've gender swapped it, but mm-hmm. it just it keeps so much and it has so many nods to the original mm-hmm. that it's just it's glorious i very much enjoyed it and it has a wonderful soundtrack yes, as it should I, I have <laughs> i i have enjoyed it as well i haven't finished it it's something i need to jump back into um i just yeah my tv watching has been sporadic and weird <laughs> lately yeah. but well i that's mine has as well but i uh i managed to focus to watch that mm-hmm. yeah, like it took me a while to to well, work no. up to it because I was worried that I wasn't going to like it, but I did. Well, and now mm-hmm. that now that we have adequate Wi-Fi, it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, so completely different again. Um, a I read a little. I would guess I would call it a novella. Um, it's called Ring Shout, and it's by P. Geely Clark, and it is. Um, sort of a dark fantasy take on the Ku Klux Klan in 1920s Georgia. So it takes place in Macon, and the three main characters are three black women, and they, one of, the, one of which was a soldier in World War I. One is kind of a sharpshooter who was taught how to shoot by her grandfather, and the third has this sort of mystical sword, which you learn more about and understand where it comes from. Um, But they are hunting Ku Kluxes, and not every person who is a member of the Klan is a Ku Klux. Ku Kluxes are actual demons that take human form, um, and... So there's this whole mystical, demonic um, origin of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, So these Ku Kluxes use kind of the hatred Mm -hmm. um, of these people and the racism to um, derive power from. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it's... um, So they don't... They don't make people something they're not. No, no. So they do not incite the hatred or the racism they use that to power themselves to power themselves and so they are very opportunistic and take advantage of what's already existing in society interesting well which is probably a good way to do it because it doesn't let people off the hook exactly yeah Yeah. no it it is not excusing the ku klux klan by giving it like this demonic background Mm -hmm. it is just saying that it it if has, this didn't exist, these, these wouldn't, wouldn't exist. exist. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's um, pretty short. I want to say it's less than 200 pages, and it's, again, a Tor.com <laughs> book. And anyone who's listened to this knows that I, I love me some Tor.com. Actually, well, both of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've... Uh, so they have not led me wrong. Um, and this one was fun because it has the, the Georgia connection. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say, I was going through it, and I was reading it, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Okay. I got to the end, and I was like, yes. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> kind of a slow burn. Yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. which is, is hard in 180 pages. <laughs> I think 
really <laughs> yeah there's not that much to work up to no but, no yeah. but yeah the the ending was really great um so i very much recommend ring shout ah uh, well and so i'm gonna talk about a book another book that i listened to because i was doing a project but I got so into it that I spent my entire weekend <laughs> finishing it. I, you know, I walked wherever I could walk where I wouldn't run into other people because, um, you know, COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> and did all the projects I needed to do. And this is an author, Tana French, which I think we've talked about before that I normally would not have picked up. But one of our book groups has a member that loves Tana French. Mm-hmm. Like, love loves her. and Like, I, hugs her books, books, loves her. <laughs> and so I thought, ah, I should absolutely read this. And so I I read The Searcher, and it was really good. It was really good. So this one is a standalone, right? It's this not in her series. No, this is a standalone. Um, it, it is definitely literary, um, literary mystery thriller. I'm not even sure I'd call it a thriller. It's more a psychological mystery. The main character is Cal Hooper, and he has moved to Ireland. He has retired from the forest in Chicago. He's recently divorced. He has one daughter. All of these are things you find out immediately. And he has bought an old cottage with some acreage around it in the countryside in Ireland. Which seems like a dream. It does. It (laughs) seems like perfection. And... And so then he's trying to rebuild his life. He's kind of getting to know his neighbors. And um, there's a young boy who comes and he helps um, helps around the house. And Cal kind of consents that there's more going on with this, that there's a question that this child wants to ask, that there is something this child needs. And it turns out his brother's gone missing. Um, and he wants Cal, because he's heard through the local grapevine that Cal is a retired cop and detective, he wants Cal to investigate this and see if he can find out what's happened to his brother. So Cal doesn't really want to, but he ends up doing it, and he finds out a lot more about his neighbors and village life um, than he probably ever wanted to know. And it's one of those things that everything is not as idyllic, 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 there we go, that's the (laughs) word, idyllic, as um, you would think by just looking at things on the surface, Mm. and, um, but the vocabulary in this, the writing, everything is just great, so um, it's a philosophical, hard, hard guy from the Chicago police force um, who has a heart of gold, Mm. kind of. Yes. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. And and the ending is one of those like several mysteries and things that we've read of late where it's not a everybody goes to prison kind okay. of book. It's more you realize the intricacies of the life that the people are trying to navigate in this village to kind of hang on to what they have because there's so many influences. There's, you know, joblessness. There's, think kids are moving away. The village is essentially kind of dying. There's mm-hmm. not work there. Yeah. What is the next generation going to do? And what are the older generation doing to keep things from totally falling apart? Okay. So... Uh, Tana French, The Searcher. I think I talked about it last time when I was just starting it, mm-hmm. but um, ooh, yeah, <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed. Okay, so piggybacking off of that, there I read a young adult book called The Cousins, which mm-hmm. is not out yet. It comes out in December. Um, it's by Karen McManus, who um, has written several YA like mystery thrillers. So um, she has one of us is lying and um, two can keep a secret. And like one of us is lying has been on and off the YA bestseller list ever since it came out. Um, It's that one is very similar to kind of the vibe of 13 reasons, Mm -hmm. but without the sexual assault and suicide. Okay. Well, (laughs) 
good. It, but it but it has a it has a similar vibe. Um, but this one, and I actually think this might be her best book. Like this was the one mm-hmm. that I enjoyed the most, and it had a little like Agatha Christie sort of vibe to it. Um, so there are these three cousins, um, and they are the children of um, three of four siblings from this very um, affluent family who runs a um, runs a resort kind of off of um, off of Massachusetts, like kind of the people like Cape Martha, Cod. yeah, Cape Cod, kind of thing, Martha's Nantucket. Vineyard, yes. So, but it's a fictional island that they own, and they own this resort on it, and it's. Um, so the siblings, um, the the children of the family, have all been all received letters that their mother wanted nothing to do with them, that they were disinherited and they were not welcome back to the island. And this was when I think the youngest was eighteen, like when he had gone off to mm-hmm. college. So wow, yeah, and so they've not heard from their mother they the mother has never met the grandchildren like they just have had no contact so the children the three cousins receive a letter from their grandmother saying that she would like them to come and work at the resort for the summer mm-hmm. because the summer the resort has this summer kind of intern program where they have kids come and work there so she wants them all to go so of course their parents think that this is going to get them reinherited or mm-hmm. like get them back in their mother's good graces. So they insist that the, the three kids go and they really don't want to. And they, the kids have, I think met once when they were like children, they're mm-hmm. all um, about to be seniors in high school. Okay. Um, and there's, so the siblings aren't close either. No, the siblings aren't close either. And do we have as to why why they You have no idea okay. why. And it eventually you get the backstory mm-hmm. um and you kind of start to suspect what could have happened, but there's a huge twist at the end. It's just it's really actually very well done. And this is a middle grade. It's a young adult. Young adult. But okay. but not um not tropey young adult, mm-hmm. not stupid young adult. Like I'm, I like not a, that young adult is no, tropey no, or stupid, but no. there is sometimes some definite tropes that run through young adult. I mean, it's not. Um, it's a mystery, um, mm-hmm. and, but it's not fluffy, right? So, um, I I thought it was really well done. It I actually started it and finished it in the same night because I needed to know. Yes, I. <laughs> I have a problem like that from time to time. Um, So so it was, what was the name again? It's called The Cousins, and and it comes out in December. Very good. That Mm -hmm. is something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Um, Before Christmas? Okay, yeah. So it is out before Christmas. It's December 1st. Oh, so the perfect Christmas gift. Yes, for for your YA mystery fans. Mm -hmm. Or just your mystery fans, because it's good. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover in YA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking, so there is a book that Melissa and I have both read recently mm-hmm. that was so good. So, so good. Um, so we we tend to really enjoy V.E. Schwab's work mm-hmm. at the shop. Um, we all like her Darker Shades series um, that's um, magical alternate London's. Um, She has a great middle grade series, The City of Bones. Yes, um, which all of my kids love. So, so good. So... Um, the, her newest book is the invisible life of Addie LaRue. And I think Jeff, our Macmillan rep, um, Mm -hmm. talked about this one very briefly when we had him on just saying that this was going to be a big book for them this fall. Yes. And so we decided that, um, for our staff book club that we would all read the invisible life of Addie LaRue. So we have pretty much all read it at this point. Yes. And we pretty much all universally fell in love from the very first page. It's true. And it's been a lot of fun to watch everyone go through their journey mm-hmm. because um, they'll be reading it a little bit at work. And we don't discourage, but we also don't encourage because often we're busy. Yeah. Um, 
getting too into your book at work. But um, this one, it's a little hard not to get too into your book. Everyone's like, oh, I'm in part one. Oh, I'm in part two. (laughs) Oh, this just happened. And so, um, so I guess it is, it takes place in France, the beginning of it. It goes back and forth in time between the past and the future. Yes. And it is the 1700s when the story starts. Mm -hmm. And you meet Addie, who is going to be married um, in an arranged marriage that she really is not looking forward to. No, she wants to live kind of a different life. She's made friends with, I guess you would say, the village crone. Mm -hmm. Um, And she just is not ready to settle down. She feels like she hasn't seen enough of the world. And um, so she... Runs away. And she makes the mistake of praying to the gods and that answer at night. night. So while she does get, get out of the arranged marriage with the deal that she makes... Mm-hmm the deal goes very, very differently than she thought it was going to. And I don't want to, I don't want to give no, too much of this I book away. I don't want to give too much away. <laughs> I will just say that um, it, it is the cautionary tale, which is, again, oldest time of be careful of what you wish for. And everything is in the details. Yes. And if you, yes, if you make a bargain, make sure of the wording. Yes. <laughs> um, but it is a beautifully told story. Mm-hmm. It is uh, a romp across history, time, place. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot of um, elements in it. From, I mean, like I can see bits of it in other books I've read, like a little bit of Starless Sea, a little bit of The Tiger's Wife, a little bit of um, just that magical realism universe. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that universe. I love the mix of the everyday and the magical because I'm still one of those people where if I pulled back a bush and saw the fairies, they'd be like, I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) I will say the... I read an arc of it that had an additional 150 pages <laughs> from what the, um, no, no. I mean, I'm like, so the finished book is like 440 some pages and my arc was 600 pages and I, I bought the finished copy of the book and I'm eager to reread it to see what was in the version I read that she cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, even it being 600 pages, I read it in two days because I could not put this book down. It was just that good. It I was the it. same for me. I read it in a weekend. Yeah, just um, absolutely was, loved it. And I think my kids are sick of me talking about it on the <laughs> Zoom call now. I'm like, you've got to read this book. I need to send you this book. Yeah. But it's it's just a lot of fun. And it is definitely sort of the diversion again mm-hmm. that I'm looking for right now. Yeah, it's a really good lose yourself mm-hmm. in it read. Um yeah, just absolutely has everything you want. And I have just one more that I want to talk about really really quickly. Um and this is a kind of hard sci-fi collection of short stories and it's called Exhalation and it's by Ted Chiang. Mm-hmm. And um the author apparently doesn't write often, mm-hmm. but when he does, it's kind of mind-blowing. So he wrote his first short story that was published in like 1990, I believe. And since then, he has only published 17 short stories, I believe. And this book it contains nine of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so while he doesn't put out a lot of stuff... These stories just run the gamut, and they're um, they're almost like philosophical kind of thought experiments. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are very, very short. Like there's one that's three pages. One of the stories is 170 pages. Um, so a novella. <laughs> yeah. So it just um, they're just brilliant. Um, like they talk about. Um, 
like AI and sort of at what point is AI sentient? Um, The question of like free will, um, there's like time travel there, there's all kinds, it just goes all over the place. Um, and they're very, very literary. Um, and you can tell that he has very deliberately picked the words that Mm -hmm. he picks. Um, just, incredibly well done i i am interested in these and there's something that i think john would really like um melissa's been telling me about them um as she's been reading them and the one about the ai is um still pretty haunting and i haven't actually read it myself i've only been told about it so um and it does raise a lot of questions about when you become a sentient being Mm -hmm. and um i will say that this prompted probably the best discussion we've ever had in one of the science fiction book club meetings. Like um, we were doing it on zoom and our book club meetings are usually an hour and we got to the hour mark and we had only discussed like three of the nine stories Mm -hmm. in the, like just because there was so much to talk about with this book there, it just brings up so many things. So if you have someone in your life um, that likes more um more of the hard science fiction Mm -hmm. very um very based in science science fiction and kind of likes the so um, almost sort of like the (laughs) sort of philosophical questions that sometimes Mm -hmm. star trek puts out there like that kind of stuff um i think this is a a good pick i only started laughing because I was going to say, so someone who actually knows what happens when nuclear winter happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Alan Moore, a little oh, nugget. Yeah. <laughs> At least he acknowledged that he it's he was true. wrong. <laughs> it's true. Oh, well, this has been fun. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's all we have for this week. Yeah. And next time we'll have Dawn, our yes. um, our sales rep for Harper Collins. So she will have some awesome stuff off their winter list and she will and Dawn is was one of the first book reps that I interacted with when I first bought the bookstore um and she has been with us all the way through mm-hmm. and normally we would have an in-store rep for HarperCollins but Esther didn't like the in-store rep for HarperCollins so she asked that we could have Dawn, which is a phone rep, and um, we've loved her so much that we stuck with her, and we only get to see her when we go to events, so mm-hmm. it's been a while. Um, the last time I saw her, she introduced me to the apple martini, which I had never had before. No, Jessica. Uh, <laughs> good so, night. So sheltered. <laughs> it just never occurred to me to order an apple martini. Um, Yes. So we look forward to talking to Don. Yes. And she gave us a homework assignment like our reps have been giving us. So we will have a book that we're all going to discuss as well. Mm -hmm. Very good. Well, we look forward to uh, talking to you again in about two weeks. Mm -hmm. Have have a good time out there. Yeah. Go vote. Oh, Um, yes. Definitely go vote. Regardless of who you're voting for, go vote. Vote and let your voice be heard. And let's all hope that we have a smooth transition of power or continuation, whatever we have. Let's just hope that that we're all okay. And on that bright note. Okay. <laughs> well, can you make that sound a little happier? Do um, your best, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Make good choices. Ma- yes. Make good choices. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Be well. Read books. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Bye.